You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Welcome back to Thrive. If you've ever struggled with surrendering your stressors to God, man, oh man, you are not alone. It can be hard to let go of anxieties. Heck, it's even hard to know what letting go of them really means, let alone how to actually do it. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, to hold every thought captive. But what does that look like in our lives today when literally 70,000 thoughts pass through our brains every single day? Best-selling author, speaker, and Bible teacher, Laura Smith, is a true treat on Thrive today. And she's helping us A, this exact cue. Laura's insight is a gift and she gives it so freely with a few important reminders about just how loved and cherished you really are that might blow your mind. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome, Laura. Hi, thanks so much for having me here. Yay, Laura, 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 welcome to Thrive. You know Sarah from Team Thrive and she, that's how we first connected. She forwarded me one of your emails from your blog and was like, hey, I I know this woman. I think she might be a good fit for the show. And we immediately said, oh my gosh, yes, Uh, get her on. So tell us, give us the lowdown of who you are, what kind of, what life has kind of looked like for you lately and what has been on your heart because you have, gosh, you have like so many books and so many things happening. So what is, what is lighting you up the most lately? Uh, sure. So I am a writer, a speaker, a Bible teacher. I live in a small college town, Oxford, Ohio, where Miami University is. Um, my husband's a professor, so we get to live in a college town, which is super cute and super fun. Um, we have four kids, um, but they're big now. So they're 24, 21, 19, and 16, um, and a blast. So like literally when we first had our kids, someone told us, oh, every age is the best age. And we're like, yeah, yeah, but look at my really cute baby. But it's true, every age is the best age. So it's super fun, even when they're big. Um, it's a blast. And um, I, gosh, what's lighting me up right now? This weather, the spring weather, being outside on the trails, running in this weather, um, walking in this weather is totally lighting me up because I love, love, love it. Um, I've been really focused on mental health lately. Um, my own mental health was... Um, kind of wacky of due to some childhood trauma and I've gone on my own journey and my most recent book, my 12th book that just released in December is, um, are some devotionals on mental health and, um, the newest project I'm working on also has to do with faith and mental health. So that's kind of a fun thing to be looking forward to as well. So that's, what's going on with me. I love that. I also love that you're talking about the intersection between faith and mental health. We just, we had a podcast episode 
on Thrive not too long ago with a woman who shared on this. And the response was awesome because so many people have such a stigmatized idea that like it's either faith or science and they cannot go together. Right. And we're like, where did that come from? They so right. easily can go together. <laughs> like God made our brains. So I think that's super cool that I'm excited to see it when it comes out um, because that's, gosh, that's a resource that a lot of women need desperately. Yeah. Yeah. We need to be taking care of ourselves. God loves us and he wants to take care of ourselves. So yeah, very important. For sure. For sure. Well, kind of hopping right into it, that kind of ties into our brains, our thoughts, and obviously mental health. So much of it ends up kind of driving home the idea of what's going through your brain. What are you allowing to be in your brain? What is in your brain just because it's it's there. What is there by choice versus what's there by nature? Like there's just, it's so nuanced and there's so much to it. But I love, 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 loved something that you had on your blog recently, um, kind of centered around second Corinthians 10, five, which tells us to hold every thought captive. And you and I were, are totally on the same page here. I was reading it and I was just like, yes, it sounds great. Like what a great concept at surface level, but it's often so oversimplified where <laughs> we think that, that that verse just kind of means like, well, just put it in a box and then like, let it go. Push it. You just have to say, nope, not today. And it's gone. But that's kind of totally unrealistic. Right. It's so much easier said than done. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's unrealistic to think that we can just tell these thoughts to like not exist or command them in the name of Jesus to go away. But like, it's not necessarily totally practical or real because they might very well still come up. Mm-hmm. So... I, I agreed with you where I was like, I don't really think that that's totally what Paul is getting at here either, but I'm going to hand it over to you to let you share more about what you had there and kind of your thought process in unpacking all of that, because I think that it's just um, something that will be very helpful for everyone and something that might have, that everyone might've skated over before in the past when we would hear that verse or see that verse and maybe not fully understand what it could look like for us in application. Yeah, I think I think some of that language even helps us, right? Like to hold every thought captive. If you think of a, a captive or something you're capturing, it doesn't just land in that box. Like you got to chase it down first, right? You probably have to wrestle it to the ground some. Um, if you're going to, like if you think of any movie you've seen where there's a chase scene or whatever, like there's a whole chase scene involved. And then like they wrestle the bad guy down and have to strap handcuffs on them or whatever before they're ever put in a jail cell or anything. And I think that's what happens with these thoughts sometimes too. Like we do have like bajillions of thoughts going through our brains every day. And I know sometimes it's just really easy to be like, oh yeah, I'm worried about that, but I'm not going to think about that. or I'm just going to numb it. I'm just going to scroll through social media because that's way easier than facing it. Um, But as it turns out, neither of those things really solve the problem because that that, that thought just keeps coming back and coming back and keeping back and haunting us. And we've never held it captive. We've just kind of pushed it to the side. Um, But instead we need to take those thoughts and actually acknowledge them when they happen. Um, Gosh, it happened to me just the other day. I was on social media, which I love and hate. And, um, (laughs) I, um, I just had like some, some comparison problems all of a sudden I was like, Oh, look what she's doing. That's so awesome. And I, and it is so awesome, but God also has really awesome things for me. And I'm not supposed to be what she's doing. She is, and I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing, but that thought was in my head. And in, and my initial 
response was just keep scrolling. And then like God said to me, no, Laura, let's talk about this for a minute. Like, why is this bothering you? You know better than that. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's hold this thought captive. Let's actually give it some attention so that we can figure out what's going on and deal with it instead of just, instead of shoving it aside, because that's not dealing with it. That's just shoving it. That's not holding it captive. That's like stuffing it under your bed and who wants the enemy you know, to be under your bed. No, you want him in jail. Right? <laughs> You're going to have a lumpy bed. <laughs> right? I mean, who wants that? That's just, you'll just be frightened every night. Um, so I think it's just that, like, when you have those thoughts in your head, whatever it is, you're afraid of something coming up. Like, say you're terrified of doctor's appointments and you have one coming up. Like, instead of just being like, oh, I have to go and I don't want to go. And well, let me just be really busy instead. Let me, you know, do something that'll keep me occupied instead of being like, why, why does that bother me? Why am I really scared? Is it really true that I'm in danger there? Is it, you know, why do I believe that? Like taking some time to actually identify what that problem is and then turn it over to God who is greater than everything. Um, when I actually turn things over to God, instead of trying to deal with them by myself, I mean, we're just coming off of Easter here. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead. So I think he can handle my doctor's appointment. <laughs> You know? I think he's got it. Yeah. I think he can handle it. Um, yeah. You know, you're worried about an interview. Well, again, like Jesus and God created the entire universe. I think they can handle your interview. And if you're supposed to get that job, they can make it go the way it's supposed to go. Should you still prepare? Of course. Should you be on time? Yes. Should you look professional? Of course. Do what you can do always. And then trust the guy who created like bees to be able to create honey. And, um, you know, cardinals who are birds who barely have brains to be able to mate for life. How do they recognize their mate? I don't know, because God created them to do that. Um, you think of like porpoises who can communicate through echolocation, like God created a whole sixth sense for dolphins that we don't even have. Like, how can we not trust him with our stuff when we actually stop to think of who he is? All the things that have my brain going crazy town, all those thoughts that I need to take captive when I stop and I grab them and see what they are. And then when I turn over to Jesus and talk to him about it, so I was like, oh, one, you can do anything. And two, you love me. So if you can do anything and you love me, why am I worried about this again? So yeah, that's yeah. I, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, are we always great at that? No, but um, <laughs> it's something that we can work on. And the more time we actually spend talking to Jesus, the more we'll find that we're talking about everything. And the more we'll find we're talking to him, to him about things sooner. And he becomes our best yeah. friend who we can literally tell anything. Um, and then it's not like this weird, like, well, you know, I'm not at church, so I shouldn't bring that up. Or I only pray once a day, so I should just wait until I do that to do it. No, it's like, right now I'm in traffic and I'm going to be late for something. And it's stressing me out. Jesus, like, help calm me down. Because you promised yeah. that your peace surpasses all understanding. You promised that you are the prince of peace. So you promised that peace is a fruit of the spirit. Can I have some, please? <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, um, I think the more we talk to him, just the more natural it becomes and the more easy it is, just like with any friend, the more you talk to him, the easier it is to bring up anything with them. And then the more we'll understand how much he really does love us and is fighting for us. Mm -hmm. So good. I love that you brought up social media as an example of this too, because I have heard this said so many times and it grinds my gears every single time I hear it, where these so-called social media experts will, or even like mental health gurus, 
whatever you want to call it, will say, oh, if something is bothering you on social media or if someone is bothering you, I'm putting air quotes there for everyone who can't see us. Like if something is, if you're, if you're comparing yourself to someone, if someone is making you feel bad about yourself, unfollow them, get them off your feed, just like eliminate, eliminate it from there. So if you can't see it, it's gone. And it's always bothered me because I thought, okay, but just because I can't see it on my newsfeed does not actually fix the root of whatever problem is there in my heart that was causing me to have a negative reaction to something, to someone else's happiness, to someone else's blessing, to someone else's highlight reel. Right. It doesn't actually change that problem at all. It's just making it where it's like out of sight, but it's probably not out of mind because it's probably something I'm thinking about with like other people too. And it always got me thinking, it's like, if you have this deep cut and you go to the doctor do they put a bandaid on it or are they like, Hey, you need stitches. Like you need stitches or else this is going to get infected and and it's going to get worse before it gets better. And if we just have this approach of like, well, if something makes me feel uncomfortable in the moment, I'm just going to like block it. So I can't see it on a newsfeed anymore without actually diving deeper into, well, what is the actual issue here? And why is it bothering me so much? And, and like divine doctor, fix me, help, help me out here. Yeah. Then we're just going to have like a lot of heart wounds that keep festering and we're yeah. just slapping band-aids on things that need stitches. And it's not a sustainable solution here for a better faith life, better mental health, happiness, holiness, literally any of the above for right. any point in time. Right. Yeah. There's no healing there. Um, exactly. Yeah, to take your like whole like medical issue to another as you were talking, I was just thinking like, yeah, if you have an allergic reaction, um, you can take a Zyrtec or if you have an EpiPen, it's that bad you can do. But if you don't find out what you're allergic to, if you don't go to the doctor to get tested for allergies, you're just going to keep having that rash or keep breaking out in hives or it's just not going to go away unless you treat the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And I love in the, in the post, something you had mentioned too, was like, we're not giving it, surrendering it to Jesus and like giving it, bringing him into the picture here. It's not like it's this magic wand that just magically fixes things, changes reality. It's not like a flip, a switch being flipped where suddenly problems don't exist. It's like, you still have the same things that you need to get done. You still have things that stress you out. Like this is all just called real life. Mm-hmm. But now we have the view, the perspective that we can bring into them and the way that we approach them is what can change. And now they might become opportunities instead of obstacles. And now this might be something that we can look at in just even like just enough of a different light where we approach the entire situation slightly differently. And that could have this ripple effect on everything else. It's like, it's not, so it's one of those things where I like calling that out for people because like, obviously n- we love Jesus and maybe not everyone listening to this conversation is at that same point and that's okay. Right. But like, it's, we're not coming at this from this like hunky dory Pollyanna. Yep. You just have to do X, Y, Z, give it to Jesus and you'll never have a problem again. Like we're right. literally prom- We're literally promised in the Bible that we will have problems. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's totally just about our attitude and our, how we experience those problems that we are literally promised for the rest of our life. And I think that that's like, it kind of makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And as like with any problem, if, 
if it's, I read this in a mental health article, actually, that like, if you consider it as a, like something you're carrying, like a backpack, um, when you ask someone else to carry the load or take turns or even give them something that's in your backpack, it totally lightens your burden. And that's what we're doing when we talk to Jesus. We're just saying like, can you take this from me? Like it hurts my back. Give me a break. Um, Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, that's so beautiful. The article I was reading wasn't a faith-based article. It's just about like, if you like share your problems with someone, it helps and sharing them with Jesus is the best person to share them with, but you got it. We aren't meant to do life alone. We aren't meant to carry all of our burdens alone. And I think in this um, kind of Instagram society, again, I love and hate it. Like we do get everyone's highlights real. So it looks like everyone's doing perfect. And we don't realize how many people we know have struggles every day. Cause we all struggle with something every day. Like that's just true. Um, that we're almost afraid to share our problems because we want don't want to look less than perfect. Um, yeah. But when we share them is actually when we heal. And going off of the backpack metaphor too, I think something important to call out is like, sometimes you have to actually ask for the help. This isn't mm-hmm. something where like, even whether it's getting the help from Jesus or anybody else, recognizing that you need the help or recognizing that a thought that you're having is unhealthy or untrue or super negative or even toxic, like that's step one, but you have to intentionally take the backpack off and like give it to somebody else. You got to actually take some action there, not just like you can't sit in a meadow and expect to like magically just feel better. It's like, there's also action taken to give yourself more peace and to kind of to hand it over to Jesus as like an Mm -hmm. action step instead of something that's gonna like show up out of thin air and and make you feel better for sure and some things we have to hand over to him every single day it's like okay absolutely this is my struggle again Lord take it from me again I want you to have it not me again you're stronger than I am you're wiser than I am you're more powerful than I am you know more than I am like take it take it (laughs) just so sometimes that's a daily handing over yeah Can you break down what the actual process of trusting and releasing, surrendering, whatever you want to call it, can you break down what this actually looks like for you from a practical perspective, from a prayer perspective? Um, Because I feel like sometimes maybe like the more literal folks among us might, you sit down and you're like, all right, now what? (laughs) Like, where do you take it? Hello? Like, God, do you hear me? So what, what kind of works for you? when you're in a groove of being able to kind of ask time and time again, I love, you mentioned this earlier, so it might be a little bit redundant, but that's totally okay. If it, if it is, cause I think it's important. Um, for me, it's really, I need to have some designated prayer time every day. And like I was talking about earlier, yes, as things come up, it's, it's better if I just throw them out to Jesus on the spot like this, I'm, this is freaking me out. My heart is racing. Like, oh my gosh, that person is calling me. Like, instead of just like trying to handle it on myself or, um, just internalize all those emotions, turn them over to Jesus in the moment is great. But also personally, I spend about 20 minutes in my prayer closet every day and it's literally my closet. Um, and I close the door where there is no noise and no light and no distractions. And I set my timer and I just use that time to take everything to him. And sometimes that's like, thank you. It's like, thank you for this gorgeous day or for my kids coming home for Easter, or, you know, whatever great thing has happened. And sometimes it's just like one issue, like this is really scaring me. 
Um, I don't know what to do here. Um, and just sitting and taking time to actually listen to him too. Um, it's, if it's me just babbling at him the whole time, then it's going to be harder to hear what he has to say. And, you know, some days I won't hear anything. Um, but I find that if I have something that I'm really turning over to him and say, I need your help here. Like you were saying, like, sometimes we have to ask for the help. I'm just literally asking him, then I will get some sort of direction from him. And sometimes it's just like, you know, send that person a message. If you're so worried about what they're thinking about that, call them and ask them, right? Like sometimes it's just so practical. And sometimes it's just literally a reminder of something he's done for me in the past, like how he has so pulled through. And he's like, remember when I did that? Like, I'll do it again. Like, you, you remember these things I did? And sometimes that's just literally like, Laura, trust me. Like I, I have, there's so many promises in the Bible where he's like, I promise to never leave you or forsake you. Um, I have the hairs on your head numbered. Um, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. I will be with you always to the end of time. Um, you read these things and if you actually remember them and it's like, oh, this, this is someone I can trust. He'll be like, I laid down my life for you. I came down to earth. I was king of the entire existence of everything on a throne in heaven with all this glory. And I left it so that I could experience life how you did. And then I actually knew I was going to be betrayed and spit on and crucified and humiliated. And I did that because I love you. Like, why aren't you trusting me to take care of you? Um, and when I actually listened to him and think of those words, I'm like, yeah, like he's been there for me a zillion times. Um, both in the Bible, all the things he's done for humans in general, and all the things he's done personally for Laura Smith. Um, this is, this is someone I can trust and I can turn things over to him because, you know, like right now my daughter is getting ready to move and she needs to find a new apartment and new roommates and all those things. And I'm like, Oh, you know, God, this is a lot. And I want her to find the perfect roommate in the perfect place. And he's like, remember when she moved to Nashville two years ago and she found a safe place and she found two good roommates. He's like, trust me, I've done that. I'll do it again. And it's just like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So anyway, that time in the closet for me is priceless. It changes my whole mental health. It changes my whole perception on everything. Um, whether I'm focusing on one Bible verse while I'm taking problems together and I'm praising him, it just, it does, as it says in Romans, it renews my mind. Um, yeah. and it takes me away from all of my worries and all the things that Laura is worried about for the day, whether that's getting chicken out to thaw for dinner or like really big contract negotiations on my next book, right? Like no matter what it is, um, it just reminds me of a God who is so much bigger and so much more loving than I can fathom and that he is caring for me and guiding my steps and promises to keep his hand always on me and to go before and behind me. Okay. It changes everything. For sure in you talking about the prayer clause and everything too, it made me think of this. So I feel like I got to share it. It's like, sometimes we have these grand expectations that we're going to hear a lightning bolt from the sky or like clear words, clear answers, clear. And if we find ourselves in prayer and we're not necessarily getting that in the moment or in the way that we would hope, or maybe expect we get discouraged or we get frustrated and we're like, all right, God, like, hello, tell me something here. But it makes me think of like, in this whole idea, if the whole thing is you're just building a relationship with Jesus and mm -hmm. Jesus is your friend, it's like, you're not, if you're with your girlfriends out for dinner, you're not necessarily, there are times where you're getting feedback from them and like actively being told things. 
And there's sometimes where like people just need to sit with you and you just kind of have to like be in the presence of people who love you and care about you. And mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes like, you know, this yourself, sometimes you just need to be told, like, I feel you, like, I got you. I understand what you're going through. I'm here for you. I'm not giving you 32 next steps or solutions or ideas or whatever, but I'm just here. And that yeah. that's enough for sure. And like, sometimes maybe that is what God is doing for us when we're in those moments where we're in our own prayer closets or when we're on the bathroom floor crying or whatever the case might be, we're like, it's not, maybe, maybe that's not the moment for you to have your whole life plan given to you. Maybe it's just a moment (laughs) where Jesus can kind of pat you on the back and be like, I know it sucks and I'm here for you and I'm not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And like, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that is sometimes what we need to hear more than what the next thing is. Right. Well, now I'm going to unpack my brain to you a little bit because we were, oh, yeah, talking about this. <laughs> we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record. Um, and this just kind of segues right into that, the idea of us being enough. And this is, I think, a message we hear so much in secular society today. Like, you're enough. You're enough. You got this. Like, you, you, you. Versus the idea that Jesus is enough. And is Jesus enough for you? And I think this can get kind of muddy and kind of confusing because on one hand, there's like all of this messaging around manifestation, making it happen for ourselves. And it all kind of really relies on this idea of like, you are enough just the way you are at its core. But maybe the unintended consequence there might be thinking that we have got it all ourselves and we don't need a savior or we don't need help from above or a higher power and God to help get us through, which can also obviously kind of be like dangerous thinking and lead us down not a great path. But also at the same point, like we were enough to die for and we are enough for Jesus. And like, it's this huge both and that we were talking about before. And I would love to have you unpack this for us because I know like for me personally, this is just something that I think about all the time. Like what a crazy concept that we can be so enough, but also so not, but also we are. And it's just, it's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all hundred percent true. Right. Like, so I think my favorite verse that unpacks that, and it's totally, totally blanking on where it says right now, but, um, Jesus says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is enough. So that means we have weakness. Um, that means we aren't perfect. And I think when we try to, like you said, manifest or just say like, it's like, I can do anything. Um, then we are going to let ourselves down because we're going to fail in life. We're not going to get every job we apply for. We're not going to get, uh, every book contract I send a proposal out for. We're not everyone we date in college. We're not going to end up marrying, right? Like there's just, there's things that happen because we live in a broken world. And then we'll start to doubt ourselves or our capabilities. If we think it all depends on us, we will end up being very broken because we will let ourselves down. Um, But the truth is, is that Jesus calls us his masterpieces. Um, And he said that before time even began, he chose us. It tells us that in Ephesians 1, it's like really before time began, he chose you and me and everyone listening, whoever you are, whether you believe in him or not, he chose you before time began, which is really incredible. Um, and then he knitted us together in our mother's wombs, which I just think of like such the artisan, like 
being so intentional as they would knit something or weave something that that's just, it's not a rough draft situation. It's a very intentional, every brushstroke, every stitch of something is so intentional. So everything about us is exactly how we are supposed to be. Um, and if we're masterpieces, like, are we living like that? Um, but also if we're a masterpiece and we're living like, oh my gosh, like I am created in God's image and he made me intentionally and everything about me. And I try to become professional soccer player. I'm going to fail. Both of my daughters play college soccer. I cannot play soccer, like I'm, but I'm not supposed to be like them because again, God created us for our individual paths and for the things that he's called me to do, he's totally equipped me to do. Um, and the things that he's intended Erica to do, he's completely equipped you to do and each person. Um, and if I play, apply for a job that he never intended me to have, I'm not going to get it um, because that's not his path for me. There might be, I might be perfectly qualified and there might be a toxic person who works there who would damage me. Um, you know, it might be a job that would take away from my family and he knows that would be hard. So he's not going to give it to like, there's, there's things that we, myself, Laura would think, oh, I failed here being all that I can be being enough. And God's like, no, I have more for you than that. Your vision of what is enough is so limited. I actually have more for you than that. And if you just did the things you thought you could do, or you should do, you're not even going to discover all the things I have for you. But there's also a truth that his power is made perfect in our weakness. There are places where I am weak and we live in a broken world. So yes, I had trauma as a child and that is not something that Jesus did to me. He created me in his image. And then the trauma happened after that. And so because of that brokenness, I have triggers. I react in certain ways sometimes. Um, that's my reality, right? But that's where he steps in and says, Laura, it's okay that you get scared of this, that you startle easily, that, you know, you have nightmares. He's like, that's okay because I love you and my grace is sufficient. Like where you are imperfect is a way you can share with other people how my love steps in. And that is a beautiful use of my power. Um, so I think, you know, it's the gospel. We talked about this a little bit before we came on, but the, the whole truth is Jesus said like, I want to be with you so much because I love you so much and I made you, but sin separates us from a perfect God, not because he wants to be away from us, but he is perfection and it's like oil and vinegar. They can't stick together. Um, but he said, I love you so much that I will do this for you. So we aren't deserving of all the love and grace Jesus gives us, but yet he says we're worthy. So it is kind of a like riddle. If you stop to think about it, like I'm not deserving, but I'm worthy. And it's true. He's we're worthy because he says we're worthy, not because of anything we do, not because we're pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps or we followed six steps to be the most successful person in the world, or that's not why we're worthy. We're worthy because he says we are. And that changes everything. Um, if you think about like going to a VIP event and um, not having the VIP invite, right? And it's like, well, I'm not worthy of the VIP invite because I don't know Oprah Winfrey personally. So I'm not going to get the, you know, the VIP pass to her event. But if Oprah hands me a VIP ticket and says, come on in, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to get to know you. All of a sudden I'm worthy of being a VIP, not because of anything I did, but because Oprah said, Hey, like I, you know, um, and that's, I mean, times a bajillion, how this all works, right? Like we're not worthy on our own, but because Jesus says we are, then all the glory, honor, riches, power, grace, love, peace are ours because he says we can have them.
And no green juice or no recipe for success or no no tweaking of your resume or no job or any sort of accolade can change that. And I think that's like, that is, that's everything. That's the difference. That is the difference. Yeah. And no matter how many of those things we do or don't achieve, we're still masterpieces and beloved in Christ's eyes. So no matter what the world's telling us about what we should or shouldn't achieve and how we rank on those things, even that means if we fail or succeed in them, like Jesus always sees us as perfect, always sees us as loved. So going right off of that, then what would you say to the woman listening in who just is always still struggling in her heart, feeling not enough in the different roles in her life. Maybe she's a fellow mama like us and just feels like no matter what happens, she's not enough for her kids or not enough for her partner or somehow always feeling like she's falling short in certain, in one area or the next. What would you say to her or what would your advice to her be so that she can kind of shift her heart posture or just start to feel kind of like align those, realign those feelings with the truth of who Jesus says she is and who he calls her to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so to stop the lie that we need to be everything that the world says we should be or perfect in every arena, because no one can do that. The only perfect person ever was Jesus. Um, I think the first thing to do, go ahead and lock yourself in your own prayer closet, wherever that is. Maybe that's your back porch because it's gorgeous today. And set a timer. And if you don't have 20 minutes, do it for five. Do it while your baby's napping. Do it while you're in the shower where no one can talk to you for a few minutes. And ask Jesus what he thinks of you. And then just be silent. And I bet you a million dollars he'll tell you he loves you. I think if you close your eyes and you say, Jesus, what do you think of me? Like I'm tearing up just thinking of it. He'll tell, you, <laughs> he'll tell you that he loves you. And, and that's all we're really craving, isn't it? Why do we want to be a perfect mom? Because we want our kids to love us. Why do we want to be a perfect wife? Because we want our husband to love us. Not because we want that for ourselves, but we'd love to feel loved because God created that us that way with a desire to be loved because he has an abundant love for us and he wants us to desire his love. And if that doesn't shift your heart, I'm not sure what will. Um, but I would also start reading the gospels in the Bible. If you've never read the Bible before, if you did as a kid and it, it like didn't resonate with you, I would start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And to be honest, I would start with John and see how Jesus treated the women. And then you'll see what he thinks of you. Because there was a woman who, who was caught sleeping with some guy who wasn't her husband. And we don't know the story of how she got there. We don't know if she was forced into it. We don't know if she was being trafficked. We don't know what was going on but thrown into the middle of a street and clearly how humiliating she's naked. She's been caught having sex with this man thrown into the middle of a street like that. I can't even fathom. And all these people gather around. In fact, they want to kill her. They want to stone her because that was the thing at the time. And um, Jesus looks at everyone else. He said, okay, here, you know, whoever has never messed up, you'd be the first one to throw something at this lady. That's how he sees us when we mess up. We're going to mess up. But he looks around. He's like, look, everyone else messes up too. And what does he say to her? He says, I own nothing against you. Like, I have no charge against you, right? Like uh, uh, Mary Magdalene had seven demons in her. We don't know what that means either. We have no idea if that was a mental health issue or seizures. Like, we just don't know what that meant. The very first person Jesus spoke to when he rose from the dead was her. 
she wasn't qualified by the world standards. Can you imagine what people might've called her behind her back or said to her? And he's like, you, I want, I want to see you first. That's how much I love you. That's how much, that's how qualified you are in my eyes. Did she have formal training? Was she one of the 12 disciples? No, but you know what? She was beloved by Jesus. And so he said, you go and tell everyone about me. Um, there was a woman at a well who, again, had had multiple husbands, and we don't know what terrible thing happened to her to make that happen. Did men divorce her? Because at that time, you could just hand a woman a piece of paper and said you didn't want to be married to her anymore. Did that happen to her? Could she not have babies? Was she infertile? Because at the time, that was also like the currency in their culture was creating heirs because that was your dynasty more than dollars were sons. Um, we don't know why she had been through several husbands. Did they die? Men died early in those ages, there were diseases and not doctors and wars. And, but she's in this terrible situation. She's from another culture. Like there's racism against the Jewish culture, which is Jesus's and her culture, the Samaritans. And he deliberately goes out of his way that day, sits down next to her, treats her like no one has ever treated her. And then you know what she does? She told her whole town about him. Um, It totally changes her life. She was hiding from people because she was so not comfortable with what people thought of her. And then she goes into her whole, whole town. He says, I give you living water that will quench all your thirsts. So if you're thirsting to be a better mom, a better wife, a better girl boss, a better, like a different size or uh, have a better yard or a house like Jojo, like Jesus says, I satisfy all your thirsts. You don't need that. You just need me. And that's how he treated women. So I, let alone all the men that he treated beautifully too. So I suggest- <laughs> Asking him what you think I rambled. I had a long answer. And then just reading about the women in the Bible and how he treated them and how he empowered them um, and what he thought of them. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, Laura, before we wrap things up, talk to us about your latest book too, because you wrote a devotional for teenagers, which is incredible. And like, obviously you're a mom of four. So talk to us about five minute devotions for teens. Sure. So my latest book is, called five minute devotions for teens, a guide to God and mental health. And yes, lots of teenagers have been reading it, but I have gotten so many comments back from parents of teens that wanted to read it like with their kids or see what their kids were reading, who said that it's really been a great devotional for them um, on the daily. So it's just a short, quick little five minutes of Bible verse, a quick little anecdote about our daily lives, and then a short prayer prompt at the end. And it's really just incorporating a ton of mental health practices that are accepted and common and normal and how those tie in with our faith and um, just some really practical and biblical advice on how to manage that in our daily lives. That's awesome. And five minutes, who doesn't have time for that? Right. Everyone has five minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, and getting things wrapped up, Laura, I also want to ask you what we ask everyone to close out the show, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Absolutely. I think we've talked about some of it today, but I believe that thriving is believing who Jesus says we are. Um, Honestly, believing he calls us fearfully and wonderfully made, which means awe-inspiring, not fearfully like scared, but I meant awe-inspiring. So that means you who are listening, you are awe-inspiring. You inspire awe. It means you are wonderful. He calls you his masterpiece. He calls you royal and holy and chosen. And I think thriving is when we walk in those truths. So, so, so good. Tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more, to check out all of your books and all of that good stuff. Sure, sure, sure. It's um, 
So my last name is Smith. So I get lost in a crowd pretty easily. <laughs> um, but it's laurasmithauthor.com is my website, L-A-U-R-A. And it's the same on Instagram, Laura Smith Author. And those are the um, best ways to find me. But if you're searching for my books on Amazon, it's Laura L. Smith because, you know, Smith. So, but that Laura Smith Author website or Instagram are the best ways to find me. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.